Today, I'm taking the Why Start a Podcast episode from last week and moving us forward into the actual launching and growing stages. If you decided a podcast is something for you, or if you're close and want to see the road ahead, this one's for you. See you in a mo. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every week I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Okay, hello, hello, welcome to another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast. And we're continuing our three-part series on the power of podcasting to build an engaged audience. And part two today is how to launch a successful podcast. So last week we kicked off looking at why you might want to start a podcast. And I shared three areas that were the main reasons for me. Strategically, it made sense. For my audience, it was a good fit. And for my credibility, it added a new dimension to both the consulting and education work we do. So basically, it was a perfect platform for me to step into. So how's it feeling for you so far? If you haven't listened to that first episode, episode 33, it's probably best you do that and then come back to this one, episode 34. There are plenty of resources you can find online for the seven steps to getting your podcast launch kind of thing, but most of them don't really give you the full strategy that launches your show into the charts. It's one thing to get your podcast hosted and submit your podcast to the major podcast directories. It's a whole other ball game to get into the top 200 charts for any given category. Most new podcasts never do. So today I'm going to be sharing the strategy that I followed that worked really well for me. And the credit for this is given to Anna Parker Naples. I started with her five-day online challenge, got all my why and how to start a podcast thinking done. I got my initial planning and prep done and I got my launch plan together. And then I pulled the trigger. And because I'd done all the strategic thinking work, I had the confidence to move forward. And I'll put the links in the show notes and also resources that I mentioned from Anna that were instrumental in my success with the launch. So please do listen back to last week's episode because really all this starts with strategy, being clear why a podcast fits the goals for your business and for yourself, as well as your target listeners. Remember, purpose, audience, occasion. Right, so let me outline what I'm going to cover first and then we'll dive in. got quite a lot to cover, so this is going to go quite quickly. There's also an article that comes from this podcast, so you'll be able to read that if you want all the details. So don't worry too much about scribbling down any notes. So just go to jallison.com forward slash podcast and go find the episode in the summaries on that page and you'll be able to find the show notes page and the link there to the article and other resources is all on there for you. Okay, so I'm going to be sharing my experience of launching a successful podcast. And by that, I mean, I personally launched the Leverage Business Podcast at the end of October. It shot into the charts for my chosen categories and became a top 10% global ranking show within just a few weeks. And that came down to what I did in terms of planning, preparation, production and promotion. 
What you're going to need to do to make the idea into a reality comes down to those four things. And that's what we're going to cover today. I'm going to share my four steps to a successful launch and outline the ongoing workflow so you can see the launch pad and the road ahead from there too. And now, although we're focusing on the launch, this is also about the strategy for launching any product, really. The preparation, that thinking part we pretty much covered last week, but we're going to touch on it again and then dive into the planning, production and promotion pre-launch and then finish up talking about post-launch to keep your podcast thriving. So it's really serving you, your listeners and your business. Launching is a great euphoria and a huge celebration of all the work that you've done to get to that point, especially if you followed the plan and you shoot into the charts. It's the best feeling ever. But then what? You have to keep it going. Otherwise, what's the point? You need to build momentum, build your listenership. And for that, it really helps to have a great workflow process of all the little steps involved in getting an episode out there or finding and booking guests. So I'll be sharing that part of things too launching, production and sustainable growth. Now, before I go through the steps of a successful launch, I would like to address a question I'm often asked about my starting the Leverage Business podcast, which sort of circles back to last week's question of why start a podcast and what's involved. And I could leave it to the closing thoughts, but I think it fits pretty well as an opening motivator. So the question was actually, what was your experience of the whole launch process? And anyone who knows me knows that I'm not a big fan of crazy launches. But as with my book, in today's busy marketplace, you can't just push new things into the world and keep quiet about it. Because for something like a book or a podcast, getting in the rankings, getting in the charts is a big part of the success trajectory. You need to get noticed. When you get that initial traction, it can take on a bit of a life of its own. If you don't, then, well, so I've heard, it can be a massive uphill battle to have people find you. So you need to promote your new show hard, fast and furious, at least to start with. That did go against the grain a little bit for me. I have to say, I'm much more of a soft launch kind of marketer. Rightly or wrongly, that's just my style. However, I have to say the whole process of launching was actually really fun. Kind of exciting and daunting at the same time. And what do I mean by that? Well, I felt both euphoric that I'd finally done it and put myself out there and I felt a little nauseous that I'd finally done it and put myself out there. The Leverage Business Podcast has been an incredibly valuable vehicle for me and I'm going to talk about some of the benefits that we've been monitoring in terms of the impact that it's had on the business and I'm going to be paying it forward to you in this episode sharing what I actually did and what happened and I'll say a little bit about the ongoing workflow as I said and how I organize all of that to keep growing my audience, my list, and my client base. I'll also be addressing lots of other questions that people have already asked. And if you have further questions from today, you can go ahead and submit those via our form or a recorded message at jallison.com forward slash podcast forward slash QA. So let me start with four steps for success in launching your new podcast. And that's one, purpose and profitability. Two, clarity and cohesion. Three, setup and production. And four, launching and promotion. So I'll go through each of those in turn. All in all, in terms of building a brand, building an audience and driving traffic into your offer, especially if you're in the business of consulting or teaching, training or coaching, in terms of how you help people, a high value education focused podcast is a great front end to what you offer on the back end. 
So yeah, launch strategy, it's definitely worth putting some effort into and doing it well. The other part of the success equation, though, is the networking and marketing. Like anything, keeping the momentum going after your launch needs a bit of help. Although you can let it trickle along and miss a week of promoting, but it's obviously something that needs something that's continuous in terms of getting people to know about your show. And that takes time and a bit of work. So I'm including what's required after the launch, because to me, there's no point planning, preparing and launching if you're not willing to keep up the flow and ongoing promotion to grow your listenership. Consistency and patience are really important. And I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. So seeing the road ahead will also hopefully help you decide finally if it's right for you. I'm going to go through this really quickly. So here's the first step, purpose and profitability. The whole podcast challenge process really helped me with getting more clarity on my purpose in terms of what a podcast would bring to my business and myself personally, but also in terms of who my audience is and what it is I want to bring to them. If my immediate goal was visibility, then I needed to get my voice out there in other ways than my articles and books. I wanted people to hear me and see me beyond just reading my content. And by voice, I don't just mean my audio voice, I mean my message, what my ideal clients need to hear, you know, what's going on that's going to really inspire them to think differently about their business strategy and help them not just survive, but thrive. So these are the things I was thinking about, about you, dear listeners, and hopefully I'm fulfilling on that and I'm delivering for you and giving you what you want. And that's where I'm really now encouraging people to send in questions and to send in comments and to engage with with what I'm sharing so that I know whether I'm on track, whether I'm hitting the mark, whether there's other things that you want. I think the biggest thing about the purpose of your podcast for your audience is what's the main problem your ideal listener is walking around with? You know, what is it that you want me to deal with? You know, what's uh, what's happening in your life? You know, your your state of mind, your happiness, your business, your relationships, your health, whatever it is. What's the one thing that you want from a leveraged business that's going to help you with all of that? And when I was thinking about the theme of the podcast, I was focused a lot on what is going on to make my target audience want to engage more with me and turn them into loyal subscribers. How can you get people to rave about your content and about you? I think the term people use nowadays is raving fans. Well, that's not quite what I'm going for, but you get the idea, right? So the impact with the podcast, the potential impact, I felt was a lot more leveraged than other channels in terms of the depth of engagement, the depth of trust and the depth of loyalty. And how can I take the engage and educate my podcast is doing and move people towards the decision to enroll on my program and work with me on a deeper level? Because at the end of the day, your podcast needs to have a hook to attract your intended target audience. Like any marketing, you've got to be speaking to the problem and needs of your listeners. And this connects with my content planning, then also the end goal for the podcast to build my list of engaged followers, to share valuable material that inspires and guides and attract the the right-minded people to work with me. That's how I monetize the podcast. Otherwise, it's just a hobby, a free service, isn't it? And that might be fine if that's the purpose, if it's non-profit. But for me, it supports my business. It's how I earn a living. I put a huge amount of work into the show and I love doing it, but it has to be profitable. Closely related to the purpose and profitability 
is the clarity and the cohesion of all this. And that brings us to step two. Thinking about the podcast really clarified my offer positioning, my fundamental belief that a leveraged business gives you work-life balance and true freedom, working smarter, not harder, and the vehicle by which I help people achieve it. These brand values that permeate everything I do are a strong message through my book and my online program, The Leveraged Business Accelerator. The practical part of that materialized when it came to deciding on the format, fit and frequency of the podcast. Some of those are easier than others, but unless you're clear on your target listeners' interests, needs and digital habits, it can have you going around in circles or playing a guessing game. Now let's turn this around from our goals as content provider and think of ourselves as consumers of that content, to think of ourselves as listeners for a minute. Because whether you listen to podcasts frequently, occasionally, rarely or never, One of the things that was interesting as I was planning my show was going into iTunes and listening to some podcasts, doing a little bit of a review. It really hits you what you like and don't like when you go in with those kind of like looking for criteria, when you dip into a few of them and start to evaluate. Listening to other podcasts in your category really helps you plan out the format and frequency and style of your own podcast. So I definitely recommend you pick the category that would fit your niche and do a little critique on the different styles, the length, the music, the vibe, you know, whether it was solo, whether it was an interview. Write down what you liked more, less, and use that as the best gauge. Because often our ideal listener is like-minded, a lot like you. So chances are, if you like a particular format and style, that would make you tune in, lean in, then your ideal listener is more likely to jive with that too. Makes sense, really. Why will they listen to your podcast? Well, that was a question that you asked. Hmm, yeah, because I'm brilliant, because I'm great, because what I say is interesting. Well, it's also because it fits with their lifestyle. It fits with their, you know, their business needs, etc. And it fits with when and how they want to listen to content. So that will dictate the choices that you make. The more you know your audience, the more you're going to be able to style your show to suit their needs. So these are the things that you have to decide upon. I mean, they say it's all up to you, right? It's your show. There's no right or wrong. It's what suits you and what matches your audience. And the thing that really, I think people really wrestle with the most are their podcast name, the artwork and the music track. And it's so funny because podcast studies show that these are not the reasons why people find or choose your show. If you go to thepodcasthost.com forward slash discovery, there are some really enlightening stats on there about what's important to people when considering a new show. I'll pop that in the show notes of this episode. So even part of the podcast group that I was in when I was planning out my podcast, it was amazing that the posts and requests for feedback that got the most attention and engagement and people commenting on each of the things was the artwork. That's the little square cover image you have for your podcast. It's something we're drawn to maybe because it's visual, but, you know, really that's only part of it. The interesting bit of stats that came up was that it's actually the podcast description that's what's most important to people when they're deciding whether to listen to a podcast. So that's the thing to get into. Make sure your keywords are in there and also that it's going to really resonate with your target listeners. The artwork was kind of half important, certainly not in the top half of the list. The next important after description was the episode title, not the podcast title, the episode title. And yeah, 
Some of the other things that matter or don't matter are quite opposite to what you'd assume, like the fact that you've heard of the presenter was bottom on the list. So it isn't actually important. You don't have to be well known to start a podcast. Certainly that doesn't actually factor in how important it is for people when they're looking for shows. The biggest part of what I got out of doing the preparation bit as an online challenge was that it took me through a process of thinking. It helped me decide whether or not it was the right thing for my business. And by the way, talking about online challenges and why they work so well to help people with a specific thing they're looking to do, I have an awesome guest with me in a couple of weeks' time. I have the fabulous Tonya Kubo on the show, who's going to share her insights and experience of online challenges. And we'll go through the same kind of thinking we're doing here for podcasting and look at online challenges, starting with why you might want to do this, who it fits, how to do it well, and the leverage points for your business. So that's going to be a really exciting episode. Tony's great. So part of the planning part that gets you clarity and cohesion is in terms of your brand positioning. And that's a neat segue into step three, preparing to launch and what pieces you need to have prepared. The brand pieces, format, style, music, artwork, intro and outro. The preparation you do in advance of launching a podcast really makes you think. When you start creating your artwork, you want to stand out. And of course, we dived into a lot of that branding in my interview with Danny Matthews a couple of weeks ago, episode 32. And it's the same with your music track. On the radio, we call them jingles, right? The music you choose for your intro and outro sections, the wrap around um, every single episode. That's also a brand statement and it should match with the style and the vibe that you want. It should be something your listeners enjoy hearing each week or however often you broadcast, and not something that would get annoying time and again. So do you want that to be like calm and and tranquil, or do you want it to be upbeat and energetic? These are all really important parts of what resonates most with with the podcast, with the subject, with your audience, with how you want them to feel when they're listening at the beginning and through the podcast and towards the end as well. The intro should be short, snappy and get people in the right mood for your show and eager to hear from you. And the outro, likewise, shouldn't be mad long. It should send people to your podcast website to get further resources or support. And it's also a great place to invite your listeners to subscribe, to rate and review. For me, doing the preparation was really enlightening because I actually wasn't a podcast listener, which I know is pretty ironic, actually. And I still only listen occasionally, not frequently, but I'm subscribed to quite a lot of podcasts now and it has changed my habits. And it's the same with audiobooks. And before that was the same with moving from reading printed books to Kindle. I've certainly got more into it and I've now got an echo on my desk and I can just ask it to play my favorite podcast. And that's really increased my listening to podcasts as well, just because it's so much easier to access and so much more convenient to to plug in and and to get going. Now, some of the tech has certainly made things easier to engage with digital content. And well, people can now just tap a few keys or say a command and instantly tune in. And that makes a big difference. And possibly it's another reason why podcasts are really growing very, very rapidly. And I really like that ability to play podcasts in different places through your various devices. So when an episode releases of a podcast you're subscribed to, it pops up a notification on your phone or computer and you can listen or download for later. So definitely get subscribed and then you won't miss an episode or forget and end up with a whole bunch stacking up. 
Unless, of course, you're one of those that loves to binge listen. As I mentioned, audio is an incredible growth trend for how people consume content and having your own podcast can build a whole new audience for your business. And I also want to mention that podcast communities are amazing. I've met so many people through podcasting, through having a reason to network with people I asked to be guests, to entering their world, but also because you'll get a ton of feedback on your ideas and focus as you progress through the planning process. And you'll find a lot of people there willing to be part of your launch team. And I'll talk about that later. Once you've got the planning and preparation sorted, you'll know if you want to go ahead. And if not, then yet, then after you do a few episodes, you'll know if you like it. And don't worry about being a perfectionist. You know, it's something that took me quite a few episodes before I really got into the groove. So let's look ahead for a moment to what you need to do in the run up to launching. And so you can work backwards from there to set the actual launch date and get everything set up. We'll start with how many episodes you need to get ready before you go live and then move into how you promote your show in those crucial first weeks and months. So step three is all about setup and production and getting ready for launch day. Let's go through some of the practical nitty gritty like equipment, software, content planning, recording, editing and hosting. So the questions that I get, I'm going to go through these in each, uh, each one in turn. So question, what equipment do you need? Answer, a microphone and headphones. That's it. I was recommended a Blue Yeti and that was out of stock at the time. So I bought something else, cheaper in fact, and it's been fine. I bought a pop filter that stops the hard consonants from clicking as you record, but I haven't found it makes any difference. Perhaps it depends on your voice. The microphone I bought was probably around £60. It actually came with a case and a pop filter as well. So it was quite a good, um, it was quite a good deal. And it, it came also with a foam spongy head cover thing. And I haven't actually found that that made much difference either. So I think if your room is echoey, maybe those things become more important. So I think the Blue Yeti was probably about twice that price. And it's hard to say whether or not it would have been twice as good. <laughs> Next question. What does it take to put an episode together and what software do you need? Well, I mentioned this in last week's episode too, but what I really love about audio is it's easily repurposed into other content. So putting an episode together is not just about the episode itself, because you can record with video on Zoom and then use the audio for your podcast, transcribe it into an article. And if you want to put the whole video or teaser at least uh, on YouTube, um, you can do that as well. And I do things a little bit differently depending on the topic and how much structure is required. But the idea is the content, once it's done, that's the leverage opportunity. When I first started, I would, to put an episode together, I would write my article, partly as that's what I was already doing for my blog and for my courses. So I shifted to writing longer articles and then I would record it. And roughly, I think an article of around three to 4,000 words will get you about 30 minutes of podcast recording. But as I got more used to being in front of the microphone and I got a little bit more confident in the medium, feeling like a radio show host, it all became a little bit more natural and more spontaneous. I started to add other bits of things in and extra stories and extra pieces and things like that. And for a few episodes, to be honest, I just had a set of headings and I just talked my way through them and I produced the article from the audio via transcription. So pretty much putting the episode together in the opposite way around. I, I really sort of felt that I found my voice. And I think when you get to that point, then it, it just feels great fun. It's just really 
easy to do it. And even though I'd previously been recording my audiobook, podcasting actually feels really different. And it's that relaxed style. It didn't come straight away. And sometimes some people, they actually prefer to record a number of episodes kind of in private and then go back and re-record them because they've got so much better just by doing a few episodes um, and getting in that groove, as I said before. And for me, all of a sudden, I was like, gosh, you know, I'm really in the swing of it. I really like the flow and I like the the relaxed environment that's just sitting in front of the, of the microphone. I'm looking out at my garden and I'm just having chatting away. So you do need a structure or else you could probably waffle on forever. Um, but going back to, I think, the credibility part of all this, um, it's the value that you give. It's the information, the education, the enlightenment, the inspiration, but it's also that high level of connection. You know, people can really hear you and feel you, that humanity. People are going to get more connected and more engaged with you when you can chill down a bit and just be yourself. They get to know you, uh, the real you. (laughs) So a friend of mine heard my first trailer in the early prep stage and he was like, oh, Jay, you sound really posh. That's like your telephone voice. And it made me laugh because he was right in the beginning. I was a little bit stiffer than I am now, I have to say. So next question, what's the ideal length, frequency and format for your episodes? Well, now, you know, I'm going to say it depends and take you back to earlier points on strategy and planning, because it really does depend on your purpose and audience. It depends what you're trying to convey. Um, It depends on who you're trying to convey it to. But from the research I did, planning out my podcast and with the data that I'm now tracking, I guess in my experience, at least over 30 or so episodes, there are a lot of variables going on in any given episode. But I think there are some general rules of thumb. So from my stats, when I analyze the downloads for each episode, I don't see any significant difference whether an episode is 30 minutes or 60 minutes. And this is for my particular audience and my particular type of topics and themes, if you like. My guest episodes tend to run towards the 60 minutes and my solo episodes around 30 to 40 minutes. But my guest episodes tend to get more downloads because my guests are also promoting it to their audience too. So it's not so much about the time necessarily. It's hard to separate out those two things. Well, maybe theirs are just more popular than mine. Perhaps you folks prefer guests to me droning on all the time. It's really hard to know from just the stats, but feedback um, from actual people seems to suggest people like the mix. They like the double or triple series seem to work quite well too. Um, I guess you can lose a few people. So like this one on podcasting, there's three episodes. So if someone who listens to my show absolutely is not interested in podcasting, then they might just skip these three episodes. So really, it's I think those, those short series work really well if people want to dive deeper into certain topics. But for my audience, at least 30 and 45 minutes seems about right. I think for 30 minutes is probably good for a solo episode. So that's kind of what I work towards. Um, If you're doing a guest interview and you've done all the work to get a guest on, it makes no sense to just interview them for 30 minutes unless you're going to do it as a two-parter. But so far, the way the interview is structured, I don't feel that would flow as well, at least not for my interviews. So I don't think there's an ideal, except to bear in mind how your people would be listening. Where are they listening? What are they doing when when they're listening? And so you can know more if they're likely to want 10 minutes, 20 minutes, if they would listen first and then maybe go back and listen again when they can write stuff down. I've heard some of my listeners say that they do that. 
And at the end of the day, ask them, you know, people that are on your list, just ask them because that's when you're going to get the best answer rather than second guessing. So another question was uh, about recording an episode, what's involved? Well, first you'll need an audio editing application. I use Audacity, it's free and it's really, really good, both for editing and mixing. And there's lots of really great guidance that they give as well in their, in their support notes. Once you have an episode ready, you export it as an MP3 file and you'll need a hosting platform. I use Libsyn, that's Liberator Syndication, because that's what was recommended to me at the time. It's about $15 a month and $20 if you want to batch upload, so there's more storage. But there are others if you search for reviews, it's going to help you decide. You set up your podcast information there first and then upload the MP3 episode files and fill in the title, description, author, and so on. And then you schedule it for release. On advice, I got a little software app called ID3 Editor, which is about $12 a year. It's a neat little tool. It helps you set up all the right tags on your audio file for each episode that import along with your MP3 file when you upload into LibSync. And when you publish, your episode and all its tag info gets syndicated to a whole host of destinations such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and many, many more, even Heart Radio. Finally, I often get asked what tech support might you need and whether you can outsource the production of your podcast. And simple answer is I did it all myself and then later outsourced the bits that didn't need my personal involvement. So um, I'm quite good on the tech and I'd had some experience with audio, um, with audio editing. So it wasn't a big deal for me to do that, but it's not something that I want to do day in, day out whenever I put an episode together. So if you don't have good tech skills and you don't want to take time to learn audio editing or all that that I just described, you can do the recording and send the whole thing to a podcast production agency or hire a VA with the requisite skills. But I have to say it is hard finding someone who can help with both the creative side, like the content, the research on the content and drafting articles and the tech side. But it's not impossible, particularly if you're willing to do the necessary onboarding and training. I now have a wonderful podcast production workflow that makes very clear who does what along the various steps from content plan to episode release. Happy to share that and talk you through it if you reach out via jallison.com forward slash contact me. And we cover some of this too in episode 24 on how how to hire the right virtual assistant, an interview uh, with my guest, Selena Johnson, who runs a VA agency, and she would happily jump on a call with you to discuss what you need from a content or a tech VA. And the same actually with Anna Parker Naples. I know that she set up a podcast production agency and would be happy to speak to you about it. So the links for for those uh, two people are in the show notes. And let's now move to step four, the actual launch and promoting of your show. So here's a quick launch checklist, and then we'll dig into questions. So number one, update your podcast website. I'll create a page if you haven't already done so and create a pre-launch teaser to generate a bit of buzz. Number two, Create a short link or get a dedicated domain and point it at your iTunes podcast URL. Number three, fire up your launch team and plan a launch strategy across social media and email. Number four, have your launch episodes finalized and uploaded to your podcast hosting provider. Number five is submit your podcast's RSS feed to every major podcast directory. 
and six, send everyone to iTunes for the first several weeks and ask them to subscribe, rate and review your show. Keep an eye on the podcast charts. And the reason that's important is because iTunes really is the major one to go for. So if you let everyone choose wherever they listen in the beginning, it can just dilute the impact of uh, your launch. And finally, number seven, prepare to continue to publish new content and promote each episode. So for that, that's where my content plan comes in and make sure that I've got that workflow in place. Um, I perfected that later, but I at least felt that I had a good sense of what was going to happen after the launch, that I wasn't suddenly panicking, that I had all this content to produce. So these are some of the typical questions that I get on the launch plan. How do you actually go live with your podcast? How do you track where you are in the charts? How many episodes do you need to launch with? What will be your first few episodes? And how far ahead can you plan out content? Who can you invite to help you launch the podcast? So I'm not going to go through the how-to because that level of detail you can do a search and find elsewhere. Um, I, As I mentioned, I worked with Anna Parker Naples through her podcast membership training to get just that detailed level of guidance. And she's really good. She gives you a step by step to doing it right. And the training videos and resources are super helpful. So what I simply want to do here is share the kinds of things that you need to think about. I just want to emphasize the key things that are going to make the biggest impact to getting that early momentum going once you go live. And you really just let you know what it is that I did. Um, and so there's a lot of things probably that I could have done better. I don't think um, I, with hindsight that I missed a step or anything like that. I probably just could have done more, um, you know, more promotion, involve more people. So this is really just so that you can see what's involved if you want to launch a successful podcast rather than just launch a podcast. So question, how do you go live? Before submitting your feed, that's the URL you get from your hosting platform for your podcast, you should validate it. And then you submit the validated feed to iTunes first and foremost, since Apple Podcasts has the largest user base. And that's where you want to get into the charts iTunes is responsible for as much as 70% of a podcast listens and downloads. So pretty much there's iTunes, which is renamed Apple Podcasts, and then there's everything else. So part of the submission is to put in your podcast name, description, cover, artwork, author, and to choose three categories for your podcast. And your goal is to get into the charts for that category and think about a main one as the most relevant and another two that you may stand out in against mainstream competitors. You can track the charts through a few different providers. I use chartable.com and you can keep an eye on things via tools like podfollow and podcast.co, but chartable is really all you need. Question, how many episodes do you need ready before submitting your podcast? Well, the general advice is to create a trailer episode first, a short 10 minute piece that sets the stage for your show. Anna's advice is to release at least two to three episodes, including your trailer. Now, remember, Anna's been responsible for, I think last year, there was about 150 of her clients who got into the into the top charts. Um, so um, that's a pretty good success rate. I reckon that's about at least 90% of people that she that have followed her process that go into the charts. So um, don't always take just any advice. Take the advice of people that have actually done it really well. I released my trailer and three episodes when I launched, including an interview episode. So I wanted new listeners to get a sense of the formats and the style of our show. 
And related to this, people have also asked about ongoing content creation, production and promotion. So in terms of the question, how far in advance do you create content and what will your first few episodes cover? Well, there's really a few ways to answer this. First, it's a broader question of how you're generally planning your content in terms of themes and titles. And it's the same for podcast topics as for any content. And if you need help with that, um, please go back and listen to episode 28, my interview with Laura McDowell. She gave some really great advice on leverage content strategies and gave away a free content planning tool in the form of a, a spreadsheet and some guidance, which I totally recommend if you haven't downloaded it already. And it's life changing and helps you outsource a lot too. More on that later. So the link for that is in the show notes again at jallison.com forward slash podcast and find the episode back for this episode 33. So just be aware of the SEO juice that you can embed in your content for your podcast, both in the name, the description, the episode titles and the episode descriptions. And what I said about search engines earlier, being able to search the actual audio too. So I always like to make sure I've got three to four weeks minimum content planned out in advance. And that's just another little tip for you. And that way I avoid ending up feeling against the wall if I don't have scheduled episodes. That happens sometimes when I've been busy with other things and then I get all stressed and panicked. And it depends on your package a little bit. Libsyn will allow you to upload um, two or three episodes um, if you're on the $15 a month plan. And if you want to batch upload more than that, then you need to be on the $20 a month plan. I mean, literally it's $5 more, so it's not really going to break the bank. So it's, you know, it's really how you want to work and how much you want to batch upload into LibSync versus keeping it on your own hard drive. So when you actually put it into LibSync, there is that piece of work around tagging it and putting in all the summaries and the, um, the information that LibSync needs to release your episodes. So it's really just whether you want to separate out those tasks or whether you want to just do it all in one go and get it up there. And, you know, it just happens all automatically. Um, who can you invite to help launch the podcast? So this is a really important question in terms of launching, because as I said, what you want is fast and furious up into the charts so that you get noticed and you get that initial traction going. So while you're doing all your planning and preparation and production that we've just talked about, particularly if you're part of a community of podcasts early on, one of the most important things that you can be doing alongside all of that is to start identifying and networking and liaising with people so that you can invite them to help and support you with your podcast launch. Personally, I gathered my launch team from three sources and I offered prizes of my audiobook to everyone who did all the steps I asked. And that just seemed like a very relevant prize. But um, you can offer anything. It's amazing what people will, <laughs> will do for money um, or what they'll do for, for some free gift that perhaps they can't get any other way. That seems, you know, a special, a special part of the deal. But also people will just do it because they want to help you. You know, you don't have to offer prizes. So I used a little tool to do my prizes called gleam gleam.io that's g-l-e-a-m.io it was super easy to set up so the first source was personal contacts because they already know you and want to support you so that's an easy one 
And even if they're not my ideal audience in terms of listeners, they're going to support me for that first part of the launch. They're going to go in and, and give me good ratings and reviews and just get the ball rolling. A second source was my existing clients. So these are, of course, my target market, um, also my existing list. And again, not all of them were that bothered about podcasts. Um, so they didn't perhaps want to do the extra work, but enough of them were happy to help or just curious to listen. And the third um, source came from the podcast communities that I was part of and some of my other networks as well. As I was learning whether I wanted to do this or how to do it, um, if I was going to do it, all through the planning and preparation stages, there were others on the same journey and we were all in the same boat. So we supported each other and it was terrific fun. And in fact, other communities I network in, not just podcasts, were very interested in, and there was a lot of crossover. So those JV partners, if you like, are a really big component of a successful launch and even for the book launch as well. Um, so yay to networking. It's, uh, it really pays forward when you do these kinds of things. And it was fun for everyone involved. As I said, it was exciting. And, you know, um, it helps with the emotion that goes with all of this as well to have people that's got your back, you know, that celebrates with you. You've got a community of people that want to see your success. They want the thing that you're launching too. So launching anything is not something that's easy to do alone. And if you try and do it alone, unless you already have a massive audience, you'll just likely hear crickets. And you need the support of others to get you that initial impetus. You need to get people raving about it, sharing it, subscribing, rating it, and leaving you positive reviews. Once you get your first few episodes published and you go live, that's when your launch team kicks in to promote it. And you'll need to have materials together to help your launch team promote the show for you and for yourself and all your team to set up campaigns for your email list, social media, press releases, speaking events, or whatever is in your launch plan. And it pushes you into the charts. And from then on, you're in a much more consistent content plan and workflow and marketing promotion process. So the first bit is super exciting, but at the same time, super daunting, terrifying, wondering whether it's actually going to all come off. But yeah, once you're in the flow of it, then you can put a workflow in place for everything that's involved in producing, publishing and promoting each episode, reaching out to potential guests and getting the interviews recorded. And for me, it all starts with having a content plan. And then once you have your list of titles for each episode, the rest of the workflow kicks into play. Those early birds, that activity, that's what's going to get you into the charts. And once you're in the charts, then you get found and it starts the snowball rolling to build your audience. It's very similar to a book launch and how Amazon promotes things within the platform. Once you get book sales, ratings and reviews, and even more when you're in the bestseller lists, you get noticed. With a podcast, it's about focusing on iTunes and getting into the charts in your chosen categories. Which takes us to the next question, which is how do you get people to subscribe, rate and review your show? Well, besides your launch team and general promoting and PR for your show, which help build momentum and get your show noticed week on week, you can also just ask. I mentioned earlier about creating an intro and outro. These are the bits that sit either side of your episode, every episode. So the intro is great to set the tone and vibe so as to get people engaged in wanting to listen. And the outro is a great place to invite people who enjoyed the episode to subscribe and leave a rating and review. Tell them how it really helps you so they understand how they can support you in the show. Of course, the outro is also a place where you can make your offer. 
where they can go to get a freebie from you to join. So they can get on your email list. Just keep it structured, snappy and genuinely heartfelt. So those are really important pieces and something that you probably might want to re-record further down the line. And as you get more experienced and confident after a few months of going, you might actually want to go back and create them again or make them shorter or change the offer. So I'm stopping there for this week. Quick recap. This was the second in my three-part series on the power of podcasting to build an engaged audience. We talked in part one about why you might want to start your own podcast and how popular audio is becoming. Big understatement. And I shared some staggering statistics about podcasting as a growth trend and a way to reach a massive audience. And in part two today, I've shared my launch strategy and some of the lessons learned, both from the person who helped me guide me, Anna Parker Naples, and my own experience and things I picked up being part of various podcast communities. Next week will be the third and final part of our series, and we're going to be getting to the heart of the leverage point of all this. So I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.